Hi, my name is Lena Augustinson. And I'm Naomi Clifford. And we'd like to welcome you to this edition of the Door History Podcast. The, the, door. Door. the, door. the door. The door. The door. The door. I'm sitting here with Naomi Clifford and we're going to talk about another formidable woman of uh, the 19th century, Susanna Meredith. How did you find out about her? How did, how, what was the way for you to find out about this extraordinary woman? Well, she cropped up in the course of some of my research into a woman who was convicted of murder in 1872. And 20 years later, she was petitioning for her release from prison. And she mentioned in her petition to the Home Office that she wouldn't mind working for a Mrs Meredith in her laundry. So I was quite intrigued by this and mm. I tracked Mrs Meredith down and she, it appears she lived quite locally to me at one time directly behind the house I am living in. So that sparked my interest. I you know, see. I was really hooked by then. So I, I, I started to go down a rabbit hole and find out about Mrs. Meredith. Okay. And was she from the area? Well, no, she wasn't She wasn't from England. She was from Cork in Ireland, where her father was the governor of the prison. So given her later history, it's quite interesting that she, she should start in that field. Uh, she married um, a, a Protestant doctor and uh, she was widowed quite soon, only seven years later. They didn't have any children. Um, after he died, she threw herself into philanthropic work. So she started to, she, she get involved with projects to alleviate some of the distress that had been caused by the Irish famine. So she started um, putting her efforts into training girls in lace making um, but she did move to London with her widowed mother and uh, settled I think um, in West London to start with and later moved to South London mm. um, and by that time she was fully invested in efforts to help women coming out of prison. Okay so she sort of she was very interested in criminality and how to help women and this laundrette was one of the way of, of sort of rehab well, what what happened was that um, when women, uh, when women and men um, came out of prison, there was really nothing for them. And um, by the middle of the nineteenth century, uh, they were all in this country. They, you know, the government was no longer sending them to Australia. That oh. all of the transportation had ended. I think in eighteen fifty seven. So the focus was on if people went to prison on rehabilitation after they came out. So what are we going to do with these criminals? So they, a number of societies were set, set up for their rehabilitation. Um, and so there were some specifically for women. So what Mrs Meredith did was she stood, uh, she and her friends stood outside the gates of prisons in London and waited for the women to come out. Oh. And then, Very hands-on. Oh, absolutely. Uh, she, they would be offered a cup of tea and a meal. And of course, you know, these women had, many of them had nothing. So mm. of course you're going to go off there. And, you know, or, also you got a little bit of a prayer meeting and mm. Bible reading and what have you. 
and the offer of work. So those women who took up the offer would be set initially to, to sewing. Now, many of them didn't sew very well. You know, they had led chaotic lives. They weren't mm. the sort of classic Victorian woman at home with her needlework. Mrs Meredith was very clever and she she changed direction and you'll find that throughout her work she sees that something's not working and then she does something else. Mm. Um, so she thought on her feet and she thought, well, laundries. Yeah. Because that, that was a big business in, it, those, uh, in it, those days. So. It certainly was. It certainly was. And, um, you know, the laundries, but the other side of laundries is that they require great physical strength. Mm. Um, so she also, in the laundries she set up, she catered for women who were not physically strong. So they had other tasks, but... Um, but you know, it was healthy to be in a laundry by and large. And, you know, you, you, you in prison itself, if you were working in the laundry, you got extra food, for instance. Mm. So the women may have thought, well, this is great. You know, I've got somewhere to live. I've got somewhere to work because they were paid. Mm. Um, and, you know, something to keep me away from, from the things that sent me to, to prison in the first place. Yeah. And and what did you, what was her drive? What 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 was her motivation? Was it religious or? Yes, it was in in large part. She you know she was fairly comfortably off, so she was philanthropic in that way. She had a number of um, rich sponsors, women who would contribute, and men also. She her work was very mm. well thought of. Um, so yes, it was religious. She was a very fervent Protestant Christian. Yeah. Um, but she didn't ram it down women's throats. She she would tell she would while the women were working, it, wherever the laundry was, they might have a break. So they'd go into a room and someone would read them a story. Mm. Which I thought found very touching, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um but it wasn't necessarily a Bible story. She appreciated that women were, um, you know, they needed culture and entertainment. Mm. And some of that might be the Bible, but some of it was not. So I think I think that really shows that I she think that is saw them yeah. as a whole person. Yeah. Yeah, yes, it sounds amazing. And, and also that she understood that many of these women were mothers. Absolutely, and um, mm. yes, and um, they, of course they weren't living with their families. They, were, you know, they were. If you went to work in the laundry, and that's where the conditions of your release sent you, uh, you could not bring your children there. No, how did that work then? Well, it's, it's a bit like probation. So you get released from prison, yeah. but you're on license. Yes. So you'll be watched by the police. You might be visited to check that you're. Um, you uh, you're obeying the conditions yeah. of your license. If you uh, commit another crime or you're doing something that's not in the conditions of your license or mm. against them, you might be called back to prison. These women would be released to a destination. So the destination might be the Society for the Rehabilitation of Pris Prisoners. Yeah. And um, it was a condition of your release that you stayed there and worked. And if you broke that condition... Yeah. So the but they, were, they were not with their children. They were not with their children. No. Remained uh, where they were when the women were uh, sentenced and, and doing their time, and that might be with their partners. 
It might be in the workhouse, it might be on the streets. Um, the women, the children, uh, I can't say they were abandoned completely, but there was no official care system for them. Yes. As Susanna Meredith's work continued, uh, she began to, to focus on those children, particularly the girls. Yes. So interesting. As you said, she did think on... She did think about the whole picture. Yes, she did. And she changed. Yes, yes. So she d she did so many things. And the, the she, what she did for these girls was initially she um, recruited foster parents in Surrey, around the Adelston area. So I, I think that most of her foster children would have been quite young, you know, babies possibly. Yeah. And uh, they were placed with these foster families. Then she got more contributions from people who, who were supporting her work. And she actually set up and built a children's home in Adelston for girls. And they were housed, again, I think it really shows, you know, that she was ahead of her time. They were housed in, in houses with um, a matron, a mother figure. Yeah in small groups so it wasn't a big anonymous orphanage no. they were they were treated with care and individual attention yeah um she also had other charities she sent christmas cards to prisoners across the world wow and um yes you know she was in, she had fingers in many pies yes i i but uh, looking after the women's children was also a way of looking after the women, of course. Yes, you know, she yes. does complain at one stage that the women were not appreciating this. Okay. And felt that their children were being taken away from them. Mm. Um, and of course, you know, that kind of philanthropy is, is a two-sided two thing, isn't it? Yeah. We are doing this for your own good and we're going to ignore your objections to it. Yes. So although she was, um, I think, very sensitive in, in the way that she operated, yeah. she was a Victorian and yeah. therefore she, um, the usual hierarchies, social hierarchies prevailed. Yeah. So, she, yes. It was very much in the system though, was it not? I mean, the women would not have been with their children as it were anyway. So, I mean, in the way this was the mm. better... Oh, from to, in today's standard, that would be horrendous that you're not allowing mothers to see mm. their children. Mm -hmm. But at, you know, it was the best of of what could be done at that point. In the circumstances, yeah. yeah. I mean, if that's that's the way the world worked, I would say, yeah, yeah, definitely. She was she was doing the right time, for, the right thing for the time. Yeah. Yeah. And she was somehow connected with Annie McCall. Or, um, yes. We've, we've spoken about Annie McCall before, haven't we? Yes, we've, uh, um, we've got that podcast, yes. one of our podcasts yes. about Annie McCall, who also who lived near uh, Mrs Meredith in mm. South London. So they clearly knew each other quite uh, They quite did, well. yes. Yeah. So what happened was the laundry was first of all based off Wandsworth Road in South London. Uh, it outgrew that site and so they picked another site just off the Clapham Road. Mm -hmm. It's it's where the old Freeman's building 
still stands, which yeah. is now luxury flats, of course. And it is very close to my house. Mm, um, so she moved there. It was a fast site. She built herself a, her own house there and lived there with her um, unmarried sister. And she ran her charities from there. So she ran the children's homes from there, yeah. and the laundry and the Christmas card charities and all the others. And then she had this vast laundry called the Marble Laundry. Mm. And she also asked a local doctor to come and run a clinic for the poor. Um, and that doctor was Annie McCall, one of the first women doctors to qualify. And she employed Annie McCall, newly, newly qualified, so quite young, yeah. for about 18 months. And that was the start of Annie McCall's relationship with the women of the area. Mm -hmm. And she was another one who saw women in the round as workers, as mothers, as, you know, just as, as people. Mm -hmm. And later on, of course, she founded the Annie McCall Hospital. Yes. And did pioneering work with obstetrics and psychology. Yes. yes. Amazing little powerhouse of women here because, of course, we also have... Lillian Bayliss, uh, uh, also down the road. It's yes, a, it's a you wonder, <laughs> you wonder what it was like walking it around in this area with these very uh, formidable women. I mean, they were powerhouses. They were, they? they were, each with their own particular style. Yes, um, and uh, you know, I, I, with my research into Mrs. Meredith, I. I think she, sh you know, she should be as well known as the other two. Yes. Really. Um, and yes. I'm, so I'm, I'm rooting for Mrs. Meredith. Well, I am too now, as I'm learning about her. Uh, and they lived, of course, at the time of very strange views about women. And we, we talked another podcast about respectability, mm. the really importance for a woman to be respectable. But there were also other ideas about women's appearances and that you could read characters, uh, characteristics into appearances. This is a, you know, it's never really left us our, our uh, propensity to uh, judge people by the way they present themselves to us in appearance. Yeah. And these criminal women, these convict women, were subjected to that in spades that because they were women and they were criminal, they were judged to have broken the laws of society and in some ways they were scarcely women at all. Mm. Um, Somehow against nature. Absolutely or... against the order of nature. Yeah. And so they were, you read a lot of literature, not by Mrs Meredith but by others saying, well, they were, you know, the governor of Newgate, for instance, saying, well, the men were bad, but the women were terrible. They were much worse. Mm -hmm. And that's really because they were judged to have broken social um, norms, really. And, and the for some nature. reason, that feels very true still when yes. you say it. Yes. It just somehow seems yes. like... Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I mean, very much like that when it comes to... Um, I mean, these horrendous murders nowadays of, of that women commit against babies or mm. something, mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's very... and it is, I mean, it is horrendous, no yeah. doubt, but men are also beating yes. children, Oh, no, the, the women get the worst, yeah. are, are judged to be wor the worst. Yeah. 
because it is yes. something yes uh, against a natural yes care. women are supposed to be the caring nurturing mm. soft obedient submissive and that's about the character but mm. what about the appearance then what would you know what substitute what, well, what, in what way could you see a, 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 a sort of criminal aspect of a woman um this is a time when you get people coming forward saying um, that the appearance of, of criminals can tell you a lot about their criminality. Oh. And women were um, judged this way, perhaps more than men. Um, and if, if, you, if you presented with broken teeth or crashed in faces or uh, scars and, or looked poor you might get someone in the criminal justice system saying that uh, this is it, this is because you are a criminal mm. and if you look like that you will most likely be a criminal um so it's not an act it's actually like your personality somehow. well your appearance will determine your mm. criminality mm. Now, Mrs. Meredith did not subscribe to this, mm. but um, you can see it in some of... Uh, there was a visit to the laundry, and it, it, this was published in a newspaper by a journalist for the Daily News, uh, a visit to, the, to, to her laundry, and this is what, what the journalist wrote. All, meaning the women, all have an animal look in their eyes. A heaviness of feature is common to them all. If the faces of these women were dyed a copper colour, and if they were dressed in nondescript garments of a female Ute or Shoshone Indian, they would pass for genuine savages. In reality, they're not much better. So that's, of course, very racist and, and um, classist. Yeah. Because the thing about these, most of the women, not all of them, uh, is that they, uh, they were judged against a norm Mm. of the middle-class woman who had you know, comfortable lives, mm. by and large. And so their poverty determined their appearance to a large extent. Yeah. Um, and then they couldn't win, you know. No. So it, it is another way of, of really reinforcing the class uh, strata, if you like. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that very often... Well, not very often, but we haven't left this behind. No. Um, this, is, this still exists. Um, so how did Susanna sort of recognise that? Or, like, because obviously that was the prevailing understanding of, like, uh, women. How could she sort of raise about that? Did she, did she say, no, I don't think that is quite right, mm. to give these women a chance or, you know? She, um, not in so many words. She did show that she was aware of it. She wrote. She she wrote a few things. So she wrote a book called A Book About Criminals, um, and she's got quite a large body of work which you can find across the internet. Uh, some of them are very obscure and difficult to obtain, but um, she did she did write right. a number of so things. So she actually she ran laundrettes mm. for women. She had children's homes for for girls. Mm -hmm. She was writing. She seems to do so many things. How, yes. Did she live for a long time? She died when she was 
um, 78. Yes. She died in Surrey and she's buried at Brookwood Cemetery. And she didn't run the laundry in the, towards the end of her life. The laundry closed mm. <clears throat> and everything was sold. And instead a print works was built on the site. But I think when the laundry closed, it, it was probably because um, some of the things they were doing were no longer uh, required. And, you know, the world had moved on to some extent. Yeah. Um, when is this approximately then? Uh, when did she die? Is she, were, she, she died um, in 1901. Okay, yeah. And... Um, the laundry had, as I said, the laundry had already closed a couple of years earlier. Mm. So perhaps it was that she wasn't really available to run it in no. the way that... Um, yeah, and society had, had changed. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I guess some of her, their sponsors may have died mm. or, or, or put their money elsewhere. But, you know, I, I just can't help feeling that, you know, she, she did an immense amount of good not only with the convict women and their rehabilitation but also the laundry although it's it's um took in laundry to start with from just customers yeah she stopped doing that after a while because the middle class customers uh were so condescending to the convict women and the convict women complained mm. about this so she said right okay we're, we're not going to do that we're going to wash for the poor uh -huh. And the poor often didn't have many clothes. And if they were sick, they couldn't wash their sheets because they only had one set. Or, mm. you know, they couldn't wash their shirts to be ready in time for the morning. Or, yeah. um, so she decided that she was going to do free washing for the sick and the poor. Yeah. And that's what they did. Wonderful. Yeah. That is such a wonderful approach where you actually are helping yes. you know, many aspects of society Absolutely. at the same time. What yeah. a well, creative mind, mm. really. Yeah, this is what I mean about her being nimble uh, thinking. Is yes. that this isn't working, so we'll do something else. It's like the sewing. We'll offer women sewing when they come out of prison. Oh, that's not working. We'll do laundry instead. Yeah. We'll do this instead. So, yeah, she was... So she identified needs. And, yes. Uh, yeah. 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 She sounds amazing. Yes, I, I wish I could have met her. Really. Yeah, I think she sounds wonderful. Yeah, and this thing about um, appearances. I mean, there are pictures of her herself. I mean, she wasn't uh, in her older age. I don't know. Was she a, a, an attractive woman? A well, I would say not classically beautiful. No, no. she was quite sort of heavy featured, yeah. and um, I would say. Not especially pretty in a sort of middle class way at all. No. Um, she may not have cared about any of that and just focused on her, her work. But she also may have suffered from people making comments on her own appearance. Yes. And so that might have rendered her more sympathetic to women who are prejudged. Yes. Yeah. Because she was privileged. Yes. Yes. So she could she could do that. Yes. Privileged and educated. Yes. Absolutely. What a beautiful thing, if that is the case, we don't mm, know. No, we don't it's a, know. It's a speculation. Yes. Yeah. But, but yeah. Interesting thought, though. It is an yes. interesting thought. She yes. didn't remarry. You no. know, she focused, no, she focused on, on helping people, mm -hmm. which is a beautiful, beautiful thing.
So, uh, yeah, so the, you, you, you came in contact with her through your research. Yes, uh, yes. Well, yes, and tell me a bit about your, your murderess that you are researching. Well, she, yes, I'm writing a novelisation of this murder case. The, the murderer, murderess I mentioned at the start, her name was Marguerite Diplon, and she murdered her mistress in the kitchen of a house in Park Lane. There are all sorts of things that were not mentioned at her trial that were relevant, which I have managed to dig up. But there are huge aspects that we'll never know, so I decided that I would do a novelisation. And so I hope that that will be ready next year. But going back to Mrs. Meredith, she meant, uh, Marguerite mentioned in her final petition that she, she would be happy to work for Mrs. Meredith. In fact, she went to one of the other rehabilitation societies. I don't know which one, and I don't know what happened to her. But I, you know, during the research, I do think about Mrs. Meredith and her laundry quite a lot. Mm. You can see it mentioned in the records of the discharge of women prisoners. Um, some of them say Mrs. Meredith's laundry and off they would go and I just think of them as you know getting down to South London accompanied by a prison matron they were called to make sure that the woman actually went where she was being sent yes and landing up in South London possibly behind my house yeah yeah it's it's a fascinating story it is a very fascinating story poor Marguerite yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No. Uh, poor Marguerite. You know, she was definitely judged on her appearance. Oh. She was quite a heavy set woman. Yeah. And um, when we talk heavy set, do we mean a bit plump? She was. She was what you call strong and sturdy. Aha. Uh -huh. And she had a, quite a square jaw, and um, she was accused at various times of of looking like a man mm. and having the strength of a man, as if the strength that she had was a bad thing yeah it was bad in that she put her arm her hands around someone's throat but you know servants were supposed to be strong they yeah. had such well they needed know. to be strong i mean <laughs> yes <laughs> makes she, it a bit easier yes exactly she was working as a cook but she'd also worked as a laundress mm. and uh yeah her strength was a plus in that respect but, but until not it by society. Well, yes, until it became a, a negative, yeah, mm. a minus. Yeah, so she couldn't win, basically. So she and I was do... very judged by oh, her appearance, you Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And her actual appearance in photographs was manipulated so that mm. she looked sort of worse than she was. Oh. Yes. How, how, how did you find that out? Is it obvious now, looking at it, or is it... Well, it, she, there is a photograph of her before she, she um, committed this killing mm. and um, a, a French photographer took that photograph and changed it after she was convicted to make her look much more like a killer, a murderer. Oh. So it's quite, quite shocking, really. Quite yes. shocking. Yeah. And uh, it, yeah, it seems it's uh, often when we do these history podcast it it comes back to now doesn't it yeah. and the, the, the how little things yes, change absolutely. but also things do change this yes. is we have to remember well, um, i think that wraps up mrs meredith yes yeah wonderful but if anyone knows anything more about mrs meredith we'd love to hear from you definitely thank you for listening to this episode of the door podcast 
please like us on social media, Twitter or Instagram at The Door Podcast. Or subscribe to us. You'll find all our various platforms on our website, thedoorpodcast.com. That's all from us. See you next time. Bye. Bye. The, the, door. Door. the door. The door. The door. The door. The door. The door.